Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Okay, we're going to start this podcast and we're going to do a re- we're going to record it on video and probably post it later on on our Running Light page, but my name's Bo I'm Peter. And we're with Running Light Ministries, and this is actually our Better Pleasure podcast, and this is episode 102. So we are totally rocking this. And this podcast is going to be interesting for those that uh, have just kind of tuned in because we're going to talk, we always relate our talks to the Bible, and our talks always have something to do with sex, sexuality, or sensuality. And so we talk a lot about porn culture and how it relates to the Bible, marriage, um, issues within marriage, um, just anything. And today we're going to talk a little bit about pop culture. Because <laughs> I brought up something, because uh, you told me about this the other day. Hmm. Do you want to tell that story? You can. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, just uh, last week. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the song because it's pretty radical. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I should. It, it, it might freak some of you guys out. But uh, there's a song out there that is <laughs> basically it's the number one song in, I think, all of the United States. Uh, I think you told me that it's number one in multiple other countries as well, right? I think I thought what I saw on her on the Twitter was that it was 44 countries. Dang. Yeah, so it's it's not just in America, it's around the world and it is very explicit. We'll say that the the language in the song is incredibly sexually explicit. And now this is nothing new. Uh sexually explicit music has been around forever and uh it's been more or less popular. What really surprised me though was just how popular the song had become. Uh that it literally is number 1. And so I I was talking to Bo about it, and it spurred this huge controversy online because a lot of people are lording this song because it's it's sung by two females, but a lot of people are lording this song as being like an incredible feminist song, like this empowerment song that women can rally behind and it could liberate them and everything like that. And there's like this huge controversy because there's some feminists, uh, those of you guys who don't know this, there's two basic branches of feminism. One believes that women's empowerment comes through sexual autonomy, meaning that as a woman becomes more sexually liberated and is able to use her sexuality the way that a man does, she's becoming more empowered. The other branch of feminism believes that a woman becomes more objectified through sexual autonomy and therefore sexual autonomy is not the way to move forward in empowerment and things like that. So there's this huge controversy online of people saying like this song is is incredibly empowering but then this other group saying that it's incredibly uh, demeaning and objectifying towards women and uh, these are all secular people and then obviously there's some conservatives and Christians who are looking at it and saying that it's like this song signifies the decline of our culture and uh, the destruction of America, the destru- and things like <laughs> destruction of civilization, of the moral fortitude of America. And uh, yeah, I was just I was talking to Bo about it because you know me and Bo obviously talk about these things all the time. And I think that what freaks people out is what I just said: the fact that it is number one. And obviously, the retort that I could give these people is, well, do you realize that you know pornography 
is far more explicit than anything you're going to hear in that song, you know, like, or see in that song, you know, it's, it's going to be incredibly explicit about what's happening and bodily fluids and everything like that. Their response might be something like, well, yeah, but that's not mainstream, you know, it's pornography, which reveals kind of a, a misunderstanding, I would say of the conservative Christian culture, where we think that pornography is kind of, in like this back door of the internet. Like it's, it's this place that very few people go to and, and things like that. And me and Bo talk about this all the time, but that's just not true. Um, the idea that pornography is not mainstream is a ridiculous idea. Uh, the, the amount of people who view pornography is outstanding. It's, it's, it's incredible how many people are viewing pornography right now on the computer. Uh, it's billions worldwide are viewing pornography right now. So uh, again, the idea that this song is somehow unraveling the culture is definitely not true. It's, it's just kind of bringing more to the surface something that is already there, basically. It's already within the people who are listening to it and the people that are, are in this culture. Yeah. Um, yes. So where do I want to start? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. Um, yes. So this, uh, the person who, who did this song, um, it, it, I guess it's the highest streaming debut of 2020 certified gold first week. Which how, uh, how many do you have to sell to be gold? It's like a, thousand or something i thought uh, yeah or is it a million no um I, I don't know i could look on her i know she has it on here somewhere um you know i don't want to scroll through all this but <laughs> <laughs> it's like but uh it's a lot it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot and um and highest debut week of any female artist female rapper with most hot 100 number ones but before we get in you know before we talk about the issues because i think sometimes it's really easy to um you know like we always say on running light it's always easy to demonize and kind of point and and kind of go man look at what's happening to our our nation and look what's happening to this and um you know and our morality's horrible and we can certainly go down those paths um, and many people do, but I think what we need to first always look at is, you know, it, these are people mm -hmm. and, um, and these people have lives and they have a backstory. And, you know, I was reading her backstory, uh, this lady's backstory and, and there's quite a backstory. I was reading on, um, just an article on Vogue. Uh, that did a, uh, a write-up on her a year or so ago. And or this one was, uh, let's see, well, this the photograph was 2020 of her and her child. and um, But, you know, she, she has a, a really interesting background and, you know, of her, of where she was raised and her family life. And I, I, I marked some things out that I thought were um, really interesting just on her comments about different, parts of her life and one of them was on her music and she's talked about you know this is her kind of comment after her first album I guess came became really popular she said music is changing I feel like people just want to hear twerk twerk music some people don't know what that is but it's like it's just like shaking your rump basically kind of but it's like uh is that just a phase question mark I probably need a sexy song she says for her up and coming you know album I need a sexy song. I need a lot of 
turn up songs. I need a slow song, a personal song, and those are harder for me. I always need help when it comes to talking about my feelings. It's hard for me to be soft, period. So it's a lot of thoughts, a lot of pressure, and it's really like a job. And, you know, just in little comments like that, you, you kind of get an idea that this is a business. You know, the in, the music industry is a business, and it, it caters to all kinds of different people, and the what is deemed um, allowable in the music industry, um, it, those those that envelope has always been pushed. When I was younger, it was bands like Two Live Crew that pushed that, went to court for uh, lyrics and things of that nature. And, and back then, we heard the same thing about the morality being, you know, down and low and things like that. And of course, me growing up a heavy metal fan, you know, Ozzy Osbourne being taken to court and, you know, <laughs> satanic backward masking. And, you know, I mean, we the, the 80s were really an interesting time, man, and some of that stuff. Um, but you get the idea that, you know, uh, this person, uh, this lady, you know, it's a job to her. This is how she makes money. Um, you know, and that's how she, she's looking at this, you know, um, and she understands that there's certain songs that are gonna, that are gonna be really things that are gonna work, you know, that are gonna make a lot of money. And, um, and so, you know, she's trying to figure it out too, as far as long with her, um, the chairman of her, uh, recording company. And so, you know, I, I want to just kind of go through some of this real quick. Um, she says at one point, social media really made really made me, she says. Before I got on Love and Hip Hop, um, I had millions of followers just off the way, just off the way I speak. She has a, like a, a neat accent and um, uh, says just me talking. And that's how I got discovered. But now social media makes everything hard. And you get the idea that it's not just... You know, uh, you know, the, here there's this real person and, and, and they're in this bubble of social media and they become popular and now they have to uh, maintain that popularity and it becomes really tough even with all this social media. And we have a saying, you know, always strive to, uh, you, if you strive to gain, you have to strive to maintain. And you really, I really sense that with this, this lady, you know. And that there's a striving to maintain, and and um, I remember in in watching the um, documentary of the popular lady uh, singer out of uh, California, I think out of Santa Barbara, California, um, Katy Perry, and I remember watching that documentary and just uh, her life that she has a backstory, and there was so much going on in her life during her tour. And wow, it's just a it's a heart wrenching kind of documentary to watch. And and because you, you just feel for her, you know, because you go, man, it's like almost like two different lives, you know, just like you have this real world life of and, and this this lady who we're, who we're talking about today, um, she has a real life. She has a kid. I think she might even have another kid coming or something like that. It sounded like it. I could have that wrong. She's been married. She's gone through mar marriage uh, difficulty that is mentioned in this Vogue article. Um, and, and, and then there's this other side of it of like, you know, how do I make money? And, and, the, and, and so I want first just to understand that, you know, this is a person, 
you know, like, let, hear this. This is quoted from Vogue. When me and my husband got into our issues, you know, he cheated and everything, and I decided to stay with him and work together with him. A lot of people were mad at me. A lot of women felt disappointed in me. Cardi explains, oh, put out the name, but it's <laughs> real life. If you love someone and you stop being with them and you're depressed and social media is telling you not to talk uh, to that person because uh, he cheated, you're not really happy on the inside until you have the conversation. And so I guess my point in bringing some of this up is that you see that this this is just a real person with a lot of, you know, just has issues like everybody else and uh, trying to make it work. And what that means in, in so many people's world is make that work financially. You know, that is the idea of success is being financially safe, you know, and, and that comes at, 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 so, you know, the expense of anything. And, and then you have to, you have to have too, Peter, like a system that, that is set up to be able to make money this way. Right. You know, so we live in a system, you know, the system we have, it, where everything is a commodity in uh, our our economic world where you can sell anything um that why would we be sh why would we be shocked that you know prostitution or um you know is uh is you know the selling off pornea the word to sell off you know comes from that idea of selling off why would that be something that would be weird to us you know we basically you know have a system that is set up to be able to make money off of anything. I mean, you can do anything to make money. Hmm. Um, and uh, and we, we have that, you know. So, I mean, I, I don't, you know, it, it, to me it's like, it's easy, you know, it, it's easy to look at people and just go, you know. But then, then you know, let's, I mean, you know what, let's, I mean, we get down to some nitty-gritty stuff, and, and this is what I think, too, is kind of interesting. I'd love to get your opinion on it is that this girl knows, it sounds like in her interviews that she believes in God. And, and, you know, what would you, how would you respond to that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a radical idea. And from a lot of what you're saying and, and what I understand about people in this industry, whether it's music, movies, uh, whatever, even if you want to go so far as saying like pornography, what you realize is that they have to adopt a persona, um, a persona that everybody's going to like. And usually these personas are pretty impenetrable when it comes to emotions and feelings and things like that. So if you start portraying this super confident uh, persona, which is what a lot of artists do and a lot of actors, uh, both in the pornography industry and out of it, just in, in any mainstream type of uh, entertainment field, what you see is that they're always trying to give off this incredibly confident, incredibly strong, unshakable type of a persona that, that you just can't really get underneath. And it really takes like a lot of uh, like an interviewer to really try to dig under to try to find any type of vulnerability. Feels like a political person. Yeah, it is. It, is. it really is. <laughs> because I pick away. Because what they're selling, what you realize is what they're ultimately selling is they're selling themselves. 
meaning that when we're we're listening to music and stuff like that usually what happens is we we do like the music itself but we also tend to really like the artist we like the persona that they're giving off and they that confidence is really attractive to us we're like wow you know that's really cool this person seems like they have it all figured out uh, they seem like nothing really phases them. They seem like they're just having fun. They just seem like they're having a good time all the time, you know, and and it, it gives you like this peek into a life that you would like, a life without stress, uh, a life where you're just kind of doing anything that you want and having a really, really good time. And like I said, that could be a really, really attractive persona. The issue is, is that once you adopt a persona like that, uh, you can't, like I said, you can't betray vulnerability or doubts. You have to kind of live up to the hype all the time. So there's a possibility and this happens all the time by the way that these people that you see that are putting out music or movies even that are pornographic or even just pushing the line or something like that are real believers meaning they have actual genuine relationships with god and they are really conflicted about what they're doing uh, i think about randy spears is a great example uh, Randy Spears was a very, very famous porn actor and, uh, he was a believer the whole time he was a porn actor. And a lot of people would be like, no, you know, he had denied the faith. He wasn't really saved. No, the dude was saved. And if you listen to his testimony, it's pretty crazy. Cause he'll talk about how conflicted he was every time he did a movie, like how, how unbelievably guilt ridden he was. Uh, cause he's still hung out with his family who were believers and he just felt like unbelievably challenged all the time. And it just, it was ripping it apart uh, for sure. But you would have never seen that. Meaning if you were to go to, you know, he, he won pornography awards, you know, if you were to go to the award shows and see Randy Spears getting his awards, you would never think like, dude, I think that guy's convicted. Mm. Yeah. I think that dude is so struggling right now and racked with, guilt and shame and and all this type of doubt no way like you saw that guy getting the reward he thinks you think he's the most confident dude you think he loves what he does yeah. he's just like into the whole culture into the whole thing <laughs> so you know when i when i hear someone say this i always want to give him the benefit of the doubt and it's possible that this girl has a genuine relationship with god she loves him and maybe there's a part of her that's very conflicted about what she's doing Hey guys, you guys are listening to Running Light Ministries, and I'm Bo, and this is Peter, and this is episode 101, and we're talking a little bit about pop culture right now, because one of the top, uh, uh, or the top song right now is this song um, that it has some pretty gnarly lyrics in it, and so it's kind of created a little bit of a, con not a little bit, maybe a big controversy, but we did see that it's w the top song in like 40 countries, it's it's absolutely just uh, broken a lot of records and 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 uh, uh, is quite popular. Um, and so we're talking a little bit about hey, can you know that and you know and the idea of uh, this person knowing God. Can this person yeah. know God and do this? So you know you bring up a good point with yeah. other people that are in these kind of industries that we never know what's really going on in their heart. Yeah, and. You know, the other possibility, and this is true as well, is from everything I've seen from this person, from this woman, um, and again, this could be a persona, I don't know, but it seems like she believes that she is living a moral life. Now, that might be radical to a lot of you guys out there, <laughs> where you're like, how could this person think that she's living a moral life with the kind of lyrics that she puts out and things like that? 
Uh, well, the way that I would answer that is because the morality of our culture is very different than what maybe you're used to. And so from her perspective, having sexual autonomy is not a negative, it's a positive, meaning that being more uh, open and free with your sexuality is is seen by our culture as being like very strong. Yeah, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you do. It's like what I find in the culture is it doesn't necessarily mean that people like like do everything that the song maybe is talking about. Right. 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 Or people don't, you know, practice everything that they watch in pornography. Right. You know, but this is also part of that persona, right? <laughs> that it's almost like a, a what they want to be or something like that, it, like a type. Because, again, for everything I've seen from this person, she seems to be monogamous. Uh, she seems to be in a committed relationship. Yeah. And yet, if you were to listen to the lyrics to the song, it doesn't really sound like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a lot to, lots to kind of figure out in there. Right. You know, um, you know, but this person does have a backstory, you know, and everybody has a backstory and, and this person grew up where she grew up. She grew up, um, she became a stripper. It says in the Vogue article, um, that I pulled up and, you know, she got, and that kind of led her to uh, get some money to be able to uh, uh, move away from abusive things that were going on in her in her life, and and then I want I want to read this quote off of the Vogue um, article that I thought really kind of addressed how she looks at feminism. Um, certain women that claim they are feminist only think a certain type of woman should represent that, like oh you have to have a college degree. And you have to be practically like a senator or Mother Teresa or a Christian holy woman. No, you do not. Feminism means being equal to a man. And I am. And I thought, man, that's that's really cool because I wrote that in my book a while <laughs> back, back in 2007. You, you know, but, you know, to me, you know, that's that if that's your goal. Right. You know, if that's what feminism is is to be able to do what a man does, Mm. then one of the things that hit me about that idea, that definition of feminism, is that what makes, it's it's based on an assumption that what man has done is good. Right. Because, you know, (laughs) me and Bo were talking about this too. If a man released a song that had similar lyrics, so you just gender flip, everything that's in the song and a man released it, it wouldn't raise too many eyebrows because the, there's a lot of songs like there's that. a lot of songs written by men, especially in this genre of music that have incredibly explicit lyrics about being with tons of women. So in her inner defense, when she's writing this song and that's her definition of feminism of being like a man, then that's exactly what she's doing. She's like, I'm just writing the kind of song that a man would write about his sexuality. And she would even look at culture's uh, attack or surprise at this song as being an anti-feminist move, meaning that the culture somehow expects different things from a woman as opposed to a man. Now, as Bo said, though, is being like a man good? Meaning is, is, is the sexual is persona that men have put out there about what sex is for and how it's to be used. Is that a good persona? Should women be trying to emulate that? Yeah. 
And is that really the, is that the goal that you're really shooting for? Um, to be, to do what a man does, to be like a, and this is the idea of sexual autonomy is seeking pleasure and getting pleasure on your own terms. Right. You know, that's what men have done. And if that's what you're wanting to do and you assume that that's good, then what you're assuming is that concubinism, harems, uh, strip clubs, um, prostitution, um, brothels, um, go down the list. It's it's all been good. Right. That's all good. Yeah, the only thing wrong with it is that men were using it instead of women. Yeah, right. but if if women had the equivalent, right, then that would it would all be good. Right. I even remember having a conversation with you not too long ago talking to some uh Muslim women and you brought up the idea of just like don't you think it's a little weird that you know that men die and they get these 72 virgins in heaven and uh, they were just like, no, you know, I don't find that weird. And you're like, why? Cause yeah. we get 72 male versions. In yeah. Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were stoked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and that's it. It's like, you know, but I don't know if she's ever asked, uh, you know, thought of that question. Yeah. You know, I know the other side of, of feminism, uh, with like Robert Jensen, uh, um, uh, professor Robert Jensen out of university, of Texas, Austin, and he might be retired by now. I don't, I'm not sure, but um, um, he would take a totally different view. Right. He would probably look at it and say, "No, like you don't want to be equal to a man because you're the what you're calling equal is doing what a man does. That's what you're considering being equal. Right. Is and what men have done has it hasn't been good. Right. You know. So that's kind of why what I wanted you guys just to to here though is that that idea of feminism you know in lyrics like this of being kind of a parade of like hey i'm getting sex on my own terms you know uh so, you know sometimes we have to be careful about what we wish for mm. and you know because you know what we think is is really going well you know you really want to be like a man man i don't know if that's a I mean, me personally, I don't think that's a good, I don't think mankind has a great track record. <laughs> I don't think men have a really good track record yeah, when it comes part to of, sexuality. Part of my uh, salvation process, my sanctification process is becoming less like the male <laughs> culture, yeah. you know, trying not to, more like, yeah. Yeah. Trying to get out of, um, narcissistic, um, you know, selfish sexual attitudes, right. You know, and lustful culture that a lot of us were raised in. You know, that kind of thing. Now, it's, it's, it's really interesting, you know, what what we're creating, you know, and it, it it's there's nothing new under the sun. You know, anyone who thinks that this is totally new and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, the country's going downhill. You, you don't have a really good grasp on history. Uh, basically, the same exact movement happened in the 60s. There was this idea of sexual autonomy being incredibly empowering, uh, empowering for women and just having free love that's that was the idea there and the idea of monogamy was going down the idea of recreational sex was going up uh that was kind of what was going on there was a whole sexual uh liberation now the reason why these things tend to go in cycles though is because usually what people realize is they're they're pushing for this they're like yeah you know wouldn't it be great you know if if people could just have sex and not put emotion into it or or tie down feelings or relationships couldn't sex just be a really really fun recreational thing that we could all talk about and enjoy without any pressure 
or guilt or shaming or things like that. And, and culture always kind of pushes this way. And then when we get it, we're like, that wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, you know, and that's usually what happens to the generations that achieve this sexual autonomy, this, this selfish sexual autonomy where you get to the peak of it and you realize it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. And that's like really the interesting thing where a lot of people that are attacking this woman, um, I, I don't really like how they're going about it for multiple reasons. But one of the big ones is they, they seem to be saying something like, oh, it's disgusting. It's gross that she's doing this stuff. You know, like it's, it just shows the depravity of her heart and the depravity of our culture that we would even be entertained by something like this. And it's like uh, when people say things like that, they're, they're missing a really, really important point that there is an aspect of what she's doing that is legitimately good. Meaning that what people like this are doing is they're showing that sex is really, really awesome and really, really amazing and exciting. beautiful and exciting. And they're, it's attractive, right? If it wasn't attractive, this wouldn't be the number one song in America. If it wasn't attractive, there would Or 44 countries. Or 44 <laughs> countries. You know, if it wasn't attractive, porn wouldn't be a multi like hundred billion dollar industry every year worldwide right obviously there's something about this that is appealing not just to a small group of people but to the majority of people the majority of people find this appealing now what we should be saying as christians is not like oh well it's bad it's evil it's not appealing at all of course it's appealing right but what we should be saying is the thing that it's doing is it's compartmentalizing pleasure it's divorcing the pleasure that comes from sexuality from the pleasure that comes from commitment yeah. and dedication and love and care and compassion and these other beautiful, amazing things. Yeah, and this is something, members she knows, because I'll, I'll re-quote, uh, 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 re-read the quote from Vogue. Now, this is her speaking. When me and my husband got into our issues, they had marital issues, you know he cheated in everything, and I decided to stay with him and work together with him. Hmm. See, that's commitment, right. right? Even in the midst of trial, that's commitment. She's, she's staying in a monogamous relationship. There's something about monogamy that, that hits her and says, no, it's worth it. Right. It's worth it to stay in this relationship. Which is why I tend, again, to believe that song that this song that you wrote is more of like like I said a persona I don't really think that she believes the things that she sang uh, within the song because if she did if it really was just about getting yours then she would have left her husband you know there there would be no reason well first of all she wouldn't have gotten married but secondly when the relationship got hard why would she stay with him if it's all just about getting yours and being happy you know being being pleased. Yeah, and you see that in that article. Uh, I quoted it before. I'll quote it again. But she says, I probably need a sexy song. I need, and this is, she's talking about her career. I need a lot of turn up songs. And she says, I always need, and she says she needs help when she's writing about songs about her inner feelings. But she's talking about she, what she needs is these kind of heavy, you know, kind of pop, you know, kind of, you know, things that, that are loud and, and proud, you know, that, that make money. 
Right. And so, yeah, I think you're right with that. You know, that that, that is, uh, you know, what she has to try to kind of put out. It's a machine. And, and again, nothing new. Madonna, if you look up uh, interviews of Madonna, who was kind of one of these other women that got famous for her <laughs> her sexuality, basically, for being sexually autonomous and the way that she wrote lyrics. And, and by the way, the stuff that Madonna wrote compared to this song is actually pretty tame. Uh, but at any rate, when Madonna was asked about a lot of these things, she said a lot of the same stuff. She said, like, yeah, this is like what I need, because once you get that level of fame and you've done it in a particular way, people are always expecting you to one up yourself. You can't go back, in other words. Right. So once you put out something and you uh, achieve a lot of acclaim and glory from this thing, you can't then release another album and take a step back because that would be a disappointment to your fans. You got to take a step forward. You got to push it just a little bit further. And you see from the article that it's not just her, it's her, her entourage. Cause you know, albums, you have to understand these, these production companies, they are also shaping your persona. They're your publicists. They're, sh they're telling their artists how to act, uh, what to dress like, uh, what to say on their social media accounts, what to do in their next videos and their next albums, right? They're, they're telling them these things. And these people, because they're, they're younger and they're, they're famous for the first time, they listen and that they, they adopt exactly what these people are giving them. Yeah. And, and I bet, and she talks about the pressure uh, and, and, and that's for sure. And, you know, biblically speaking, we have to remember that, that, I mean, I think I, we always go back to Hosea four, but there's a, that wonderful passage there that talks about, Hey, you know, don't be, you know, the, I'm not going to judge the women because of the men, because of the way the men are acting, you know, and there's this like, Hey, I'm going to hold off in judgment to the women right now, because let me just deal with you dudes because you guys are a wreck. And, you know, there's a supply and demand when it comes to these kind of things. And, and, and we all know that, you know, and Peter's talking about that. And we live in a world where uh, we live uh, with, with, in a financial culture where we can sell these things. We can sell sexual language, um, you know, like we've talked about a little bit. And, and, you know, for us being Christians, first of all, it shouldn't shock us at all that um that that this goes on um because because people have been making money in the wrong industries for a long period of time right and and the bible certainly um i was just perusing through the book of job and just reading how so much of the these little sections of job is the uh injustice of people and the way they've made money they've 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 stamped out uh the poor taken their money and so that they can become rich mm. and and this is an industry people are making money um by selling you know these kind of albums and and uh and a persona that goes with these these songs and things of that nature and um you know so i don't i don't think we uh, in in the church should be shocked at all and plus you know, we have a, a Bible that is filled with a lot of interesting sexual overtones to it. And, um, and we have a whole, a whole book, Song of Solomon, that is, 
is an intimate book itself. Um, so we have to be careful in how we evaluate um, this song in particular. I, I, I you know, myself, um, I mean, when I when I think of the song in general, I think what it does is it it, it, it is in itself porn because it in itself its purpose its its purpose is to cause arousal it right. is to cause a sexual kind of like whoa this is awesome you know and right that it's not <laughs> it's marketing is not because of its you know me and you were just talking about it it's not because of its lyrical genius <laughs> right it's not because it's yeah. you know its artistry is so incredible uh you know or anything like that it's it's a sex appeal, you know, and, and the people who wrote the song in t intended it, you know, they're not shying away from that. They're yeah. not looking at it like, no, it should be evaluated because of how amazing the artistry is. It's, it, you know, it, it's a sexual song. It's meant to be that way. Yeah. And there's a selling off um, of sex, uh, you know, a lessening of, of the value um, that sex can be. And when, what makes something valuable is when it's when something is valuable or considered value valuable, then it's considered special. We would say it's special, and there, therefore it would be even considered maybe sacred. And you know, if you have something special, you want it to be preserved. Um, you want it to be taken care of. Um, and and that's that's the idea of of when something is porn, it is it is now being sold out. It's being um, stripped of that special quality. You know, and that, that's, a, that's a really radical point, you know, and it was something that hit me in high school. I remember my, uh, my teacher, when we were talking about history and economics and things like that, uh, they asked the question, they said, you know, like, why is dollars valuable? Why are people like literally giving their entire lives to make dollars like that are made out of paper? You know why is gold valuable? Why is di why are diamonds valuable? And the the ultimate point that he was making was it's valuable because we say it is. You know because somebody said it's valuable enough. Now everybody in the world is fighting and living and dying to get this thing simply because someone says it's valuable. And if we ceased to believe it was valuable, we'd cease to fight for it. Now here's the thing: human life has value. It has dignity. And the value that we give it is based on what we say. So meaning this, if you look at different cultures and the way that women specifically achieved status and validation, it changes throughout the culture. There are some cultures, let's say, let's use the biblical one for a second. The biblical culture doesn't seem to value the beauty of women that much, meaning you don't really see very many women become incredibly famous or anything like that through their beauty uh, because at the time it was a lot of arranged marriages so it didn't really matter uh, the only thing that that really mattered for was the incredibly wealthy where you got like stories like Esther where she was sought after because of her beauty for the most part what you see women's value being in is their ability to procreate their ability to give birth that's why men valued them uh, so much and that's why they sought them out that's why you see certain women literally want to kill themselves when they can't have babies uh, because in that culture they were considered not valuable that here's the important point that i'm trying to make here in our culture we have explained to women men have explained to women what makes them valuable 
and therefore we've turned sexuality into currency, right? So women like like this and, and many other, if you read a lot of stories of women who are in industries where they're, they've become over-sexualized, like I said, either actresses, musicians, or porn stars, strippers, whatever you want to say, but they realized very young that they had a power over men. They had an ability to gain things of value that stemmed from their sexuality. And they learned how to use it at a certain point. They learned how to harness it and use it to be able to grow in their given field. And that's and that's and when you read the lyrics to the song, um, it, you know, that's what you get out of it is that there's an exchange going on. Um, you know, there's certain parts in the song where there's this idea of, you know, I, I get what I want mm. and, and then I get from this person who I'm with this, right. You know, this kind of exchange. Um, it sounds very prostitutionary relationship, you know, um, which, you know, if you asked this lady, you know, who wrote the song, or anybody, you know, most people, they would go, well, I wouldn't want that relationship with my kids. Like, I wouldn't want my kids to have that kind of relationship with a person. Right. Like, or I wouldn't want myself. Where they're valued simply because of their sexuality. Yeah. Or I, I, I you know, and, um, you know, and, and there's confusion in the culture because the confusion is people go, well, hey, you know, the, the end justifies the means. Mm. Like, I can, you know, maybe it is good just to say, you know what? who cares, you know, I can go, I'm going to go and use that person and use them for their money. Mm. Now the backstories, you know, we have a back, we have Rahab the harlot in the Bible. who obviously was a part of a, uh, some kind of house. <laughs> we don't know what her role was in that home. Right. But, uh, or do you, do we do? We? I don't think we do. Do I we? mean, I, she's called the harlot. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, she could have been more of like the, I think they call it the madam of the yeah, house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the reason why I bring that up is because you, you don't know, like in this lady's case, in the Vogue article, she has a backstory of being raised in, uh, the Bronx and then, uh, having a large family and struggling and being in a relationship that wasn't good at all, of, uh, and, and then, you know, then, you know, the way she was able to make money in the culture was through this. There was a demand right. for her right. in the culture. The demand was for her sexuality. Right. You know, there was something that people valued and would pay her money for. Right. And, and so that was available to her. And some people find, see that that is the way, that is the only way um, in their bubble that they're in. That's the way right. that they can get out of that thing. And, and, then, and then they do it. So it's not like a person just, you know, most people that um, you wake up in a non-desperate state don't, aren't thinking like, hey, how can I use this person to, that's the kind of relationship I want is I want to get in a relationship where I use that person to, to gain something. Right. Um, they're not necessarily consciously thinking that way. Right. You know, um, but some people, you know, and, and we, ha we, we kind of think like, well, Hey, wouldn't this song like start making it where people would start thinking like, Hey, you know, maybe that's what we should do is the end justifies the means. Like, Hey, if I can get some money out of that dude, um, like some girl says that, then I'm going to go do it. Um, but I, I want you to see is like, 
you know, again, the the philosophy behind this is like, hey, it, it the end justifies the means because now we're becoming just like guys. Right. You know, and and thing is, is now this I'm going to kind of reverse it now and go like this. Is that what if we looked at relationships on the planet between men and women and we realized that most, if not almost all of the relationships are the end justifies the means, hmm. meaning they really are that way. Right. Meaning this, this, the, the lyrics in this are almost like a, a, it's like a, it's like an amplification of really what, what we're really like. Right. You know, as human beings anyway. And I know that, that might be a little radical of an idea. Right. But this is just a amplification of already what's going on in our hearts as people in our relationships. Right. Where we see, we always are looking at what we can get out of another person. Right. And, you know, here, here's the thing as well, you know, this goes back to economics, but uh, supply doesn't create de- demand. Demand creates supply. That's how economics has always worked. Meaning that I cannot just create something or start something and then immediately people are going to want it. If I come up with a product that nobody wants, I'm just not going to sell it. I'm going to go bankrupt. What I do is I tap into the existing demand and I meet the demand with a supply. Now, this is what I mean by that. Songs like this are not creating the demand. Songs like this are meeting the demand. They are a reflection of what the demand in the culture actually is. So if we're going to get upset with the fact that this song is turning us or something like that, the song's not turning us. The song is only revealing what the culture already wants. Again, clearly we want it or else this song, we wouldn't be talking about this song. It wouldn't have gotten on the top list, the top hundred songs. <laughs> it would have just been a song that came and went. No one would have remembered it. It wouldn't be the number one forty-four countries, but it clearly is because people clearly want it. There's something very attractive about this, about the lyrics, about this woman, about everything that she's doing, this persona, everything about this is very, very appealing to a lot of people. And we have to understand that or otherwise we're, we're kind of lost, you know? So meaning that, you know, me and Bo have always thought of it this way as well, where when it comes to porn as a, as a whole, a lot of Christians are seeking to attack the supply. They're like, we need to destroy porn. You know, they have this idea of like, we need to, I don't think they say it that way, but there's an idea that we need to destroy the porn industry. We need to get rid of it. And they don't realize that again, porn is not creating the demand. We are creating the demand. Porn is just meeting the demand. So if you really yeah. want to change the culture, you have to change the demand, not the supply. You know, and let me give you an example of how this actually has happened in history. When you look at alcohol, for instance, when we did an attack, we did a full-blown attack on the supply of alcohol, right, called prohibition, right? What that ended up doing to the country is it didn't dry up the demand, right? It actually increased the demand. It became more uh, valuable and desirable to people. They wanted it even more, right? And then you have this whole crazy thing that happened with uh, gangs getting started and uh, basically bootlegging all this alcohol and bringing it to people, right? It didn't dry up the demand. Uh, the culture basically is what dictated that, that behavior. When you look at other cultures, though, 
you see other cultures, let's say, um, you know, in, in Europe and, and places like that, where there actually has been a shift in the culture when it comes to things like alcohol, but it didn't come through the government attacking the supply. It came through a cultural shift, which changed the demand, meaning that people's hearts changed about a particular substance, and therefore the demand dried up and the supply went away as a result. So us as Christians, once again, what we're trying to do is I'm not going to try to attack this person or the industry or anything like that. Why? Because attacking the supply is not going to do anything. What I instead want to do is I want to help educate people and inspire them to understand that what your heart is demanding might not be what's best for it and to try to move you in that direction. That's actually going to make a difference. Um, but simply attacking these people is not going to do anything. Really. But it's what we're good at, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's, and it's, you know, in, in, you know, it's super easy to be able to just go, Hey, you know what, you know, this is, this is just, you know, crud, you know, or <laughs> this is Jack or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but it's much, it's much more difficult to think through the issues and, and there's so many different other issues that you know kind of spring up with this kind of song too yeah um you know especially it gets really personal you know especially if your parents out there you gotta ask the question of what do my kids like about this song yeah right because maybe they do like the song yeah and there's a and and, and there's a dance i guess with this song and i've noticed (laughs) on the twitter that there's you know there's all these people doing this dance and 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 it's like and it's something from a video I, i guess that they put out she put out and um and um and uh and it's popular yeah and and there's people in south korea that are doing it there's moms doing all it all over the world <laughs> man it's like it's like an exercise that's man that's right and, you you'd, and you'd also have to ask questions so you'd have to ask like what do my kids like about the song you might have to ask question what do i like about the song yeah maybe there's a part of it that's appealing to you you know i have to check my own heart when it comes to things like this all the time be like you know is there a part of me that is attracted or is appealed to something like this and the answer the the hard answer is yeah there's a part of me that is very much attracted to things like this why because my heart's twisted and it's sick yeah i'm aware of that and what is appealing to me and i always have to like go through this in my mind what's appealing to me about this song it appeals there's parts of it that like i said appeal to good parts of me uh, the glorification of sex in general, where I'm like, okay, yeah, like sex is beautiful, it's good. Yeah. What's bad about it? Well, it's making it cheap. It's making it uh, not right. exclusive. It's making it sound like it's like you said, Bo, a commodity, something mm-hmm. to be bought, sold, and traded. Uh, those are the, some huge negatives when it comes to sexuality. But there's other parts of me that are attracted to the song that are very wicked. Right. For people like me, and and by the way, if if you think that stuff like this is empowering. You have to understand the heart of man. For someone like me, back when I was an atheist, what appealed to me about things like this is men predominantly believe that they must give women attention, time, compassion, sympathy, emotional understanding and intimacy and commitment in order to gain from them what we want, which would be sex. Basically, that's why you have a lot of guys put on a show. They pretend to care about girls. They pretend to do these things and they invest time and resources and money into them to get from the relationship what they actually want, which is sex. Basically, they, they want something from that person. What things like this, women like this who are doing it, 
what it speaks to men who already objectify women is, oh, wow, there's a group of women out there where I don't have to do that. I can just use them because they want to be used. And it like makes us l more selfish and more narcissistic and more wrapped up in who we are. Where women, in a weird way, uh, especially previously, uh, when, when this whole sexual autonomy thing is not happening in cultures, women kind of act in, in a, a weird way as a gatekeeper for the desires of men. Meaning that they, they actually serve to be a restrictor or a restrainer on men and their ability to just use and to have sex and to uh, objectify women as often and as, as much as we want. Because women want more. They want more than just the sex uh, predominantly. And uh, predominantly women are known for being more monogamous than men uh, on a generalized scale. But when you have a shift in the culture where women are becoming more and more like men, men are not doing that anymore. Meaning yeah, and, and there's there's books out there about what constituted that change, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, one of them is the, the getting rid of the idea of babies, mm -hmm. getting, you know, changing that, you know, uh, changing what makes a woman valuable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, think of what the pill has done. Right. You know, in changing that kind of idea of, hey, now a woman doesn't have to, uh, it's not about, her, you know, her having a mate that is with her or for her. Now she can just have pleasure on her own terms. I, I guess the problem is, is a lot of times what brings, what, what, what we real, what we don't, what we forget is that maybe the decisions that mankind has made, men in general, in technological advances or, or other kind of cultural shifts is is that it hasn't produced good things. Mm. Maybe maybe the pill has not been a very good thing mm. in the world. Maybe it actually has hindered a people's ability to enjoy one another fully. Right. Um Maybe we have lost the ability. Maybe the reason why we struggle with the way that we, what we do today is our inability to, to learn committed love. Right. We, we are losing those abilities. Which is a great lie. And it's, it's something that I would, uh, sometimes you just got to marvel at the ingenuity of, uh, of evil. You know what I mean? Sometimes <laughs> you just got to look at it. Be it like, is. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> it's pretty genius. You know, when you think about it, they've, what, what Satan and different uh, fleshly people have done very well is they've been able to uh, express this culture and make us believe that monogamous committed sex and love is less fun and passionate than non-committed purely recreational sex. And it's been so effective that even me growing up in the church, I believed pretty vehemently that the only way to have pleasure in my sexuality was to move away from monogamy and God in general, move away from love and God in general. That was something that the culture taught me and I started to believe it. Um, in other words, what the culture has done is they've shown marriages and intimacy within marriage as being boring, not very fun, something that becomes mundane uh, and not as exciting. And they've painted, again, recreational sex, sex outside of emotional engagement and things like that as being much more fun and much more pleasurable 
when it's just you're going at it for you. It's just you don't even care about the other person, what they want, what their needs are. You just want what you want. Yeah, and then there's you know there's there there's that kind of recreational sex is where you have sex because of pleasure. You know, you desire the pleasure that's in sex. Those other people desire the pleasure that's in sex. Um, orgasm rights from the 60s. Uh, that's how it was. It was actually, um, 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 uh, what was I going to say? Uh, people that uh, walk the streets for with orgasm rights on, the, on their on their plaques, you know. And, and that was something we saw in the 60s of an exchange of pleasure. There was a lot of recreational sex in the 60s. In, in 70s, just an amazing amount. You would meet someone who's hitchhiking and you would have sex with them. I mean, it was super radical, the amount of just, hi, how are you doing? Um, let's go have a burger and now we're in the sack, you know, kind of thing. Where there really was just, all that was really on the mind was the idea of like, I'm receiving pleasure, you're receiving pleasure. That's what we're exchanging. Where this song that's come out is actually, it's actually a different relationship that I see. I see it's actually one of, of I use sex as a means to gain. Right. Like that's what I'm doing. And the reward isn't you. The reward's <laughs> not you. It's not the partner. Yeah. The partner's not the reward. The partner's the means to the reward. That's right. Is the means to the reward. And I got something you want, and and you know, and, and you got something that I want, and um, and I'm gonna, it's gonna be an exchange, but it's not an equal exchange. It's not, um, yeah, I'll get pleasure out of this, but I'm really, I'm there's a there's a manipulation there. There's something that I want to take, right? You know, and and you know, again, I think if you look at that from just our human hearts angle. We, we all tend to have that part of us in us. You know, like we have a part of us that's really lives that way. That's very selfish. Really selfish. That in, in our mindsets. Yeah, absolutely. And in that way, the, you know, it speaks as a giant hyperbole, right. you know, of, of the inner evils that's within us. And, you know, I, I, I've talked about this with my wife quite a bit, um, you know, it's just her and I are trying to figure this stuff out and think through it yeah. in our own time. But one of, one of the things that we talk about is the, the nature of love and why it frustrates people so much. Uh, because when you think about love, love has no expectations to it because love is unconditional. So meaning when I love my wife, I'm not loving her because of anything that she's doing and therefore I can't have any expectations. But when we talk, like she would ask me questions like, why do you think guys would want to purchase prostitutes? And especially men who already have access to sex, meaning that it's not just dudes who can't get sex any other way that are buying prostitutes. Guys who are able to have sex with, with women are also buying prostitutes. She's like, what's the appeal of spending money on a prostitute when you could just go out to a club or a bar, pick up a girl and have sex with her that way? And what I told her is like, I think that there's a great appeal to being, to owning someone, right? Yeah. When you, uh, when you exchange something, there's an agreement, there's an expectation where it's like, I've given you this. Now I can absolutely expect this back from you. I mean, you don't give it to me. I'm going to be upset. I can return you. Right. I can return I you. Can, I, can, I can, I can, I argue. can exchange you. I could get something different. I get, you know, there's, there's an appeal there. Uh, when you love someone, it doesn't exist. You can serve someone and get nothing in return. And a part of our very, very selfish nature doesn't like that. We like to be 
in the driver's seat. We like to understand what we are, what we can expect from people and situations. Um, and that's also what frustrates us about God and grace is a lot of times, you know, why is it that people who found the beauty of the gospel went back to legalism and we, people do it in droves. Why do they do that? Is because it's very difficult to deal with a God who you can have no expectations of, right? Where because he saves us by grace and he loves us because he loves us, we can't look at God and be like, no, I've done all my religious deeds. So therefore you owe me a good life and you owe me this and you owe me that and you owe me heaven. You know, we can't look at God like that because it's all grace. We don't like that. It puts us in a, in a state of vulnerability and transparency. And that's what marriage does. It puts you in a massive state of vulnerability where you're not in control in a lot of ways. And our selfish nature doesn't like that. Now, you guys are listening to Running Light. This is episode 101. And we're talking about the pop song that has come out that we will not name. The, <laughs> we will not say the name of the song, but it's it's like hit all the, uh, the top charts in, in the last 40 nations. Um, we might do a part two on this because it's such a, a kind of a popular topic right now and it's yeah. really good. And I would like to talk a little bit about what the Bible says in Luke, just the, the sad parts about, you know, where it talks about offending people. Mm. And and there's another aspect of this that I think the, the, the writers need to understand. Mm. Um, you know, that's uh, a real sad and serious part of the whole thing. So we'll get into that later. But anyway, hey guys, thanks for checking us out. We'll talk to you guys next time. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. 